The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. And welcome once again to a Came From Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing. As it has been for quite some time, we have none other than senior correspondent Charlie Saladino. Toys are us! We have none other than fishy sarcasms, Dominic Definition Man Serrano. You like to pay, everyone, and I gotta say that uh, social distancing is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And we have <laughs> L-Man Jenny Felding. And anything could be a toy with the right mindset. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so on this week's show, we're going to have a bookworm Batson segment, a, another Jaybird and Lee segment, and uh, Jen interviews uh, Scott Christian Sava. He's a he's an author, right? Author actor. Um, he created a movie actually. Um, he's a filmmaker. People, Stallone's in the movie. Yeah, all star cast. Filmmaker Scott Christian Sava. Okay, there we yeah, go. I was a filmmaker. Yeah. So a creative person in his own right. Uh, but before we do any of that. Take it away with the news. It's morphin' time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks at sci-fi.radio. That's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the fine folks at the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show. Uh, so we're with 25, six years of comic book and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention is scheduled for December the 17th, which is the Big Apple Christmas Con. Uh, tickets are on sale right now. I don't think they've mentioned their headliner as of yet. And I want to give our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday, famous Dresden Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, Yasmin Ray, and Rosa. If you want to get your own shout-out, go to our website on there, and uh, there's a button. You can go right to our Patreon page, and that's for a month. You can get a shout-out on our show. Also on our uh, website, kingfornail.com. Make sure you join our uh, mailing list. You can get out more information about stuff that we are doing, including our live show, which we do every once a month. All right, so let's see. We guys start off with the sad news. We have two bits of sad news for this week. Uh, the uh, animator and artist Everett Lee Peck died recently from pancreatic cancer. Uh, in addition to being best known as the creator of Duckman, uh, Everett also had a hand in the character designs for the animated series of Jumanji, Extreme Ghostbusters, Men in Black the series, and Godzilla the series. Um, I was a fan of most of those, and you can see like they had the unique animation style, kind of like um, with the Family Guy. They all kind of look the same, the Cleveland show, um, mm-hmm. all the ones that they did. So those mm-hmm. four shows, Duckman, Jumanji, Extreme Ghostbusters, Men in Black, they, they had a, uh, a look to it, and it's mm-hmm. this guy's creation. Um, uh, were you a fan of uh, Duckman? Was that before your time, uh, Dominic? I do remember Duckman, especially because it was voiced by Jason Alexander. Yes. And I did um, so what you would call politically incorrect, too, and and what they did and how they they put it out. So, yeah, I I remember it. It was funny. You could not put it out now. No. No way you could put it out. No, no. Did you mention Godzilla the series that he did that? Yes, yes, Godzilla the series, yes. Uh, That actually 
was better than the actual movie Godzilla that it was based off of. The Roland Emmerich uh, uh, Zilla, as he's called, because uh, mm. they took the god out because he's just a, a, a lizard. He's not even a dinosaur that breathes fire and can fly. So let's see. Moving on to the next bit of uh, sad news, which is the final bit of sad news. Uh, comic book art- <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> comic book artist Tim Sale also died recently. Oh, wait. Uh, he was 71. Maybe mention that. Uh, comic book artist Tim Sale also died recently from kidney failure. Kidney? Kidney failure. Uh, Tim worked on a slew of Marvel and DC characters, most notably on Superman Confidential, Superman for All Seasons, Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Gray, Catwoman When in Rome, and Batman The Long Halloween, just to name a few. Uh, he was a young 66 years old. Now, wow. I've never got a chance to uh, to meet Tim. I've heard nothing but good things about him. Uh, Dominic's being in the comic book world. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? Yeah, but you know what? Greg, Greg didn't like him. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I actually got to meet Tim Sale, but I did love what, reading The Long Halloween. It was a I really actually great, just great saw the, uh, the, the animated uh, adaptation of that. Yeah. yeah so it was, uh, it's very sad that he uh, passed away at such a, a young age. Yeah, I'm by a bunch of sailboats. I'm actually fishing right now. So R.I.P. Tim Sale. Very very nice uh, play on words there, Jen. Uh Uh, Moving on. uh, For the not as sad news. From the... That's a lot of nuts! Department. The new Jurassic Park sequel has held on to the number one spot in a domestic box office, pulling in an additional $59 million in ticket sales in its second week of release. The new Disney Pixar flick Lightyear, quote-unquote, underperformed with a disappointing, quote-unquote, $50 million in ticket sales. I would like to have a disappointing $50 million in Mm. ticket sales. Uh, For those of you keeping track, the new Top Gun sequel is now the highest-grossing film of 2022, and that's like three weeks in. With four hundred and sixty-six million dollars, followed Ooh. by the Doctor Strange sequel with only four hundred and five million dollars. So already, mm. Top Gun number one. You're still going uh, with uh, Thor as to beat it, uh, Dominic? Did I or did no? I think Charlie was the one who said that Thor is going to beat it. So Charlie, do you, who do, you, do you think there's any movie that can beat uh, Top Gun for being the highest grossing film of 2022? No, I I didn't I didn't uh, remember saying that. Was gonna I don't remember it, saying but... that either. Uh, yeah, somebody uh, said it, and it wasn't me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Check. No. <laughs> well, someone here has all the shows, so maybe they should go back and listen to the audio. Yeah, go back. Probably wasn't um, me. Could that, be. That, maybe that, maybe no, that, that I heard remember. it. I, I heard it, so I'm hundred uh, percent sure. I believe it was you, Dominic. But do you think there's any movie that will that will beat it for this year? Well, I mean, it well, is the year, the, the, it yeah, is plausible year, that it could be it could be Thor. It is plausible. I mean, they're always selling yeah. tickets to it now, so it is possible. All right. Plus, with uh, it, Jane Foster back. Yeah, and plus the year's not over yet, so. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, there's well, a lot of that? movies coming out. I don't know. Yeah, it could a be a movie coming, coming out, out that's going to be a blockbuster, like the guac that ate Philadelphia or something like that, and we'll never know until it comes out. Or, uh, what was that, Bloody Nun 3, right there, Jen? Bloody Nun 3, or they can merge Top Gun and Jurassic Park. I think we should just start merging all of the hits, like all the things they keep remaking, just merge them. That would be cool. All right. I, I see what you're doing. All right. Bloody well, Jurassic, Bloody Park, Bloody Bloody yeah. Gun, Top Jurassic. Because they're all out of ideas. I got you. I got you. I'm not out I of saw ideas. A, That's, come well, on. Hollywood, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I saw a meme on Facebook. I saw a meme on Facebook where it's like 2022. 
the year the all the legends come back because it really is it's just like a lot of rehashes of things yeah very much so mm-hmm. um so moving on so also from the that's a lot of nuts department it's your favorite department the first appearance of one woman which is all-star comics issue number eight released in 1941 has been sold at auction for a record-breaking 1.62 million dollars which is the highest amount ever paid for a comic featuring the character Auctioneers say <clears throat> no comic book that is primarily sought for its connection to a female superhero had ever realized more than a million dollars at auction until now. Uh, what makes this interesting is that the copy, which is graded at a 9.4, doesn't even mention one woman on the cover as she only appears in the interior of the book. I can't imagine that you go to buy a book because of the character's first appearance is in it and not even on the cover and you paid $1.62 million. And- and the ironic part is you're going to put it in plastic and never open it to the page that she's on. Yeah, mm. that's actually true. It's it's already sealed because it's graded. And yeah. you have to crack yeah. it open and then get yeah. it regraded. Which, are there which, any stories of them just filling plastic with books that are empty? You know, I'm sure. I feel like that's a great business model. I'm sure this will happen. 10, 15, 20 years down the line, but they are a quote-unquote reputable company. And that, of course, will ruin the entire uh, grading system if that ever happens so that's well i think you know diamond they want to they want to mix it up they could start selling collectors copies which is the covers (laughs) and empty pages (laughs) (laughs) eventually i think it'll eventually get like the art um the art world where people like just value art on whatever spectrum they want to value it at no matter what it was originally paid Mm -hmm. for and some even have a conspiracy theory that it's just a way of like basically having transactions without money Ah, well, I, I value this painting at $40 million. I'm going to give it to you. And that gets me out of debt, et cetera, possibly right. drug trades. Oh, yeah. And I, I know think... a guy that's his entire business model right now. <laughs> Pretty much. And I won't be shocked <laughs> if, it around this area where I'm at. if the comic book world becomes that, too. It's like here, this this comic's, you know, uh, I believe to be $600,000. Take it. And exactly. So speaking of art, things are only worth what you want to pay for. We should them. go back to the old times of like training, trading men and women, you know, okay, my husband's worth $400,000. Fine. You take them. Great. So and we'll just start you, trading people. Are you just advocating? No, no, no. You see, you, you, she baited you in. Slavery. It's, it's valuing. I mean, here you want to, do I want to be someone's wife for free or do I want to be valued at a, a milli? And then if I don't like my husband, I just get traded, you know, like a baseball player. Oh, uh, so like like baseball trades. Yeah. Yeah, marriage baseball. <laughs> so trades. someone so someone's paying you. That's how that's working. That's yeah, what so like they sign you they sign you to a 3-year contract at a million a year and you could be, I like that. be there what? Got it. Okay, well that's completely more you ethical. I, I like marriage under that. That's a great idea. Okay. There you go. I mean, so long as you're actually getting the money, then it's fine. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> no, he took the hey. bait and he just went for it, and that's what happened. Hey, um, Mark. So, yes. Hey, Mark. Of course, when I tell you something, you know. Mark, when did you lose control of this show? Years ago. Mark, um, did you so ever going, have control got a fish right now. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, how much do you think we could trade Mark for? I have um, to pay somebody. Um, so I would trade. Through, I would only trade Mark for two shimps and a and a. Uh, Larry or Curly? Nissan? Okay. So going to the (laughs) trifecta. From the... That's a lot of nuts! Department. 
I think oh you need to God. start putting like part one, part two in the <laughs> that's a lot. You can't keep having like going to the same department over. Well, over. it's a good department. It's it's one of our biggest uh, wings in the news uh, yes, area but, of uh, well. Of then our then you should you should vary the nuts. Like that's a lot of pistachios. <laughs> That's or at least say like walnuts. today we're going heavily to that's to the that's a lot of nuts yeah. department. The first story from the department is there. You go. The yeah. original artwork used to cover the Dark Knight Returns issue number one has been sold at auction, the very same auction, uh, for over two point four million dollars. This amount makes it the most money ever paid for a piece of Batman original art. Auctioneers say we're thrilled to see Frank Miller and Lynn Barley's influential work reach a level often associated with classic American art. It deserves that, as this is easily one of the most famous comic book covers from any era, and it is defined as a superhero genre from the 1980s to this very moment. I can't think of a more important piece of comic art to have come to this auction. Uh, Sounds like the the same auction as that. I just said it was the same auction. Oh, God. (laughs) This piece is described as Ink over graphite on a Bristol board with airbrush color work measured at 12 by 18. So it's not that big. Uh, signed by both no. artists uh, in the lower center. A few visible surface scuffs and finger bends. But that's not that big of a thing for $2.4 million. Just saying. At least that one you can uh, appreciate the entire thing because it's one, one, one page. Yeah, I mean, you can frame it like a piece of art and encase it or whatever. And you can at least enjoy that. Right. But most likely they would, and they'll probably put it in a vault, vault and have a fake. Because right. that's what often what happens with expensive pieces of art. They put them in a vault, and they have someone make a licensed well, forgery. They can, they can just take the actual comic book and blow that image up and stick oh, right. it on the wall. That's only, you know, <laughs> they take, the, they take like, they, make, they have a fake made, and then they put it out. Right. That way like, because it's too valuable to let someone just casually come over and throw, like, wine on it or something. So... They they pay like millions of dollars for a piece of art and then hundreds of thousands to have it remade. Crazy. Uh, so it's, speaking it's of rich people crazy. problems, man. I want that. So I speaking of crazy, problems. speaking of rich people problems and crazy. Mm-hmm. You, know what kind of, you know, they eat that 1% cheese you like, those rich people. Oh, yes. The yeah. little cube cheese. Oh, I love that. Um, from the It's So Crazy, It Must Be True department. Actor Ezra Miller has been accused of quote, physically and emotionally abusing, unquote, Tokata Iron Eyes, a now 18-year-old teenage girl to a degree that her parents have obtained a protective order against the actor who is perhaps best known for his role of The Flash in the movie version of the character. What makes this even more odd is that, according to court reports, quote, the court cannot locate or serve Ezra parents say he moves around so much that we're stuck in this legal limbo situation and we can't serve him in any place that he's long enough in he's been flighty he's been avoiding service and now there's public pressure mounting on him to make a decision what makes us very concerned about ezra's volatile nature we're working very hard to get this in order and force wherever he is the court well, the flash ah it's nice the court documents also allege that ezra gave their daughter alcohol and drugs such as marijuana and LSD. Uh, quote, Ezra uses violence, intimidation, and threat of violence, fear, paranoia, delusions, and drugs to hold sway over a young adolescent Takata. To make matters worse, 
Another protective order was issued but not served for a 12-year-old non-binary child and its mother against Ezra in Massachusetts. Uh, Ezra allegedly hugged them and touched their hips inappropriately. And um, Ezra was asked, then asked the kid to follow them on Instagram. No word from Ezra's camp or Warner Brothers, who they have big money on this movie that's coming out. And Ezra's nowhere to be found. What do you I'm think? Sorry, of that, but that's Jen? that's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, after I molest someone, I usually be like, "Hey, can you follow me on Instagram?" Yeah, that's that's the wildest <laughs> thing. The fact that you can't find the guy. They better start. They better start uh, drudging the, uh, you know, the oceans there because I got a feeling one of those relatives got a hold of him, and now he's sleeping with the fish. Dominic, well, I'm looking for him right now. I, I don't know what it is about these DC actors being in like cults and weird and weird things that they end up doing, man. You don't hear about Marvel actors doing this stuff. Mm, <laughs> For those who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Allison Mack being in the Nexium cult as well. Yes, yes, that is, uh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yes, it's just it's just weird that they can't find him. Like he's a he's a movie star. How can they not be able to find well, him? You know, he's that kind of an actor. Yeah, yeah that's right. I guess so. Because he's non-binary, he can play both male and female. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I remember when this kid was on um, Royal Pains. It's just like like some kid actor. Where this kid went so far awry, I have no idea. It's maybe Mm -hmm. the Hollywood uh, system did him in. And it just shows that they should just stick with the same actor to play the same thing. So the guy who's doing the Flash TV show should have been the Flash in the movies. Seemingly nothing wrong with that guy. So far, knock on. So far. So far. And bring back Henry Cavill. Uh, He's like, he's a normal man. He just wants (laughs) to play Dungeons and Dragons and make computers. And he's like super chill. All right. So moving on from the, well, I guess it's real now department. None other than head of WWE, Vince McMahon has, quote, temporarily stepped down from his position as chairman and CEO of his company, leaving his daughter Stephanie to serve as the interim chairwoman. Vince, however, will remain as a character on his two wrestling shows, Friday Night SmackDown and Monday Night Raw, respectively. All this is due to multiple allegations of misconduct, which came out of a report that Vince paid a secret $3 million settlement to a former employee whom he, once again, allegedly had an affair with. The separation agreement, which was reportedly made in January, this January 2022, uh, prevents the former unnamed employee from, quote, discussing her relationship with Mr. McMahon or disparaging him, as well as issuing similar non-disclosure agreements with other female WWE employees. The report led to not only a, quote, special committee to investigate but no less than five law firms into the fold to conduct and, quote, assist in the investigations, as well as a third party that will also, quote, conduct a comprehensive review of the company's compliance program, HR function, and overall culture. Vince says, I have pledged my complete cooperation to the investigation by the special committee, and I will do everything possible to support this investigation. I have also pledged to accept the findings and outcome of the investigation, whatever they are. Now, 
if you're the one being alleged mm-hmm. and you say whatever they are, don't you know what happened? <laughs> weren't, one you, would assume. weren't you there? You would yeah. think. One so, would assume. This might be the end of WWE as we know it. No, it won't be. Really? No. Everybody kidding me? You don't think so? You don't think? I well, mean, first of all, Stephanie McMahon has already come in and become interim CEO. Yes, uh, so but that's temporary. Like... Wor- temporary, right? She's <laughs> been working in the company for Lord knows how long. Her husband, Triple H, Paul Levesque, has been heavily involved in the company. If yeah. McMahon like has to step down, it doesn't matter. His son, his daughter-in-law, his daughter, his son-in-law—they—they're all entrenched in this company. The only way that this is going to really change it, if somehow you got rid of all the McMahons. Right. And like Ted Turner bought it. <laughs> well, I think they've been setting up Stephanie McMahon to be the head or, of this for years. She was inevitably, yeah. I'm actually kind of shocked that Shane isn't, but. Well, he got fired you know, from the company a couple of months back. Did he really? Well, yes. there you go. So, um, but, uh, as the story goes, he was uh, a surprise uh, guest into the Royal Rumble. And there was, he pulled the father card, allegedly, uh-huh. saying that, you know, I want to go in as a higher number and I want to do this and I want to do that because my dad's the boss. And apparently it got back to Vince and he didn't like it. So he fired his own son. Fired him. Um, well. But the thing about WWE, from what I understand, as as all the reports and all the interviews and all stuff is, it all goes through Vince. Like it's his company from top to bottom. Right. So any, any decision that gets made is Vince. So to have him remove the, mm-hmm. the linchpin of the entire corporation, I don't know. I think it's going to change as we know it. Like I said, it might still Maybe. exist, but it'll exist. And what will happen is Stephanie will take over and she'll right. go to dad and dad will tell her what to do. And it'll just come from that. Yeah. We'll just drill a hole in her back and then just and they'll basically, like yeah, yeah, basically and, it. Yeah. And, and they'll make billions and billions of dollars. And Disney will get jealous and buy them. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Huh. Yeah. I always look I remember watching WWE in the Royal and after that for a little while. I am not shocked to hear this about Vince McMahon. There was always something about him. I'm like, this man's not faithful to his wife. Really? And, yeah. There was just the like the storylines that he would have and, and things with him and hot women and things. It's like I'm not shocked. Mm. I don't know about anyone else out there, but you just there are times where you see someone or you see how they're acting. You just get like an intuition about them. Like, yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if this comes out or that comes out mm. about them. And, and you're just like, yep, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Hmm. Am I the only one who gets that feeling from Vince? From Vince. Yeah, definitely from Vince. I Vince had a, a bit <laughs> on WWE where he had to kiss the butt of Trish Stratus. Well, that was his character. Yeah, that was his character. Him. Right. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah, it's his character. Like, come on. There's just certain things that he would like have done. And I'm like, this man's not. He might love his wife. He's probably may never divorce his wife. He's not 100% sexually faithful to his wife. And it's not happening. Okay. Hmm. Was anyone yeah. truly really surprised when, like, they're, they're, or, or, I was surprised at the allegations with, that these allegations, and, and that's what they all are. They're all just allegations, you know, innocent until proven guilty, as they say. Like, I wasn't surprised to hear about, um, uh, what's his name at Miramax? Oh, uh, Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Like, there's just things you hear and you're like, or you see and you watch behavior, like, not shocked. 
Well, it's 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 the same theory behind like Playboy. I mean, right. uh, you you Hefner was the iconic head of that, but his daughter was running that company for years. For years. Yeah, you know, and now his and, son does. His younger yeah. son, right? Mm-hmm. His yeah. oldest son is actually gay. Yeah. So, for, but no, none of this is shocking to me. All right. So, speaking of wrestling, for the final bit wrestling. of news, wrestling, wrestling from the. Well, maybe it's still kind of fake department. None other than wrestling legend, Rick, the Nature Boy Flair. And I've always said he should be called a nature man by now, who is now 73 years old, will make his in-ring return as part of a six-man tag team match. Executives say on July 31st at 6.05 Eastern Standard Time, the nature boy, Ric Flair, who many consider the greatest professional wrestler of all time, is set to return to the ring one final time as part of the Jim Crockett Promotions Presents Ric Flair's last match wrestling event taking place at the world-famous Nashville Fairgrounds. A 16-time former heavyweight champion will don a new custom-made robe and bring a -a one-of-a-kind showmanship that has made Flair a cultural icon for his over 40 years in professional wrestling business. Uh, Rick says, I'm going to walk out on that aisle one last time to prove once and for all that to be the man, you got to beat the man. Woo! Woo! Wow. Um, I, 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 we have uh, like less than four minutes ago. I, I want to mention the, the story. Uh, we have a friend of ours, uh, a friend of the show, who makes a comic book, a uh, wrestling comic called Headlock. And he... You'll probably hear about it in the in the uh, ads that come up. <laughs> yes, um, he told me that one time he was sitting, you know, running his booth, and he had Ric Flair at the table, and some guy walked, you know, some kid walked in front of him, and he said, "Hey, man, I wish you were my dad." And without mm-hmm. missing a beat, Ric Flair says, "I could be." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's another wow. guy. Not exactly shocked if it came out that he was unfaithful yeah. to his wife. I mean. But so, what do you think of a seventy-three-year-old man going out to do a wrestling event? I mean, as we know, love it. Wrestling is predetermined, as they say, but it's still uh, athletic. Uh, it's still, it's, it's still, still hitting, right? It's, it's still, still hitting. Yeah. yeah. So, Gravity, as Diamond Dallas Page once said. Yeah. So, what do you think? Should should a seventy-three-year-old man go out yes. there? Yeah. Jen hell says, yeah. 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 Sure. Hell yeah. Dominic. Yeah. Why not? Look, I don't know how many last matches that Ric Flair had, and if it's more than like farewell tours that Kiss has done, I really don't know. But like, he wants to go out there. What's the worst that could happen to him? He gets hurt. He hits, he, he dies. He's probably going to die tomorrow. Who knows? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. terrible. Yeah. He's I already mean, beat the odds at se- being a pro wrestler at, at seventy three, making it to seventy three. Yeah. I the thing I take argument with is like he's the greatest wrestler of all time. Like he's the second greatest. It's Hulk Hogan and then him. I would like I'm I'm curious enough to see this and and he has to win. Like well, yeah. Right. So like you're just going Although to Although you're him supposed perform. to lose your final match. Are you? Is that true? Yeah, that's always the rule. Like you're supposed oh. to lose your final match. So that way you can what's the term? Get the other people over? It's something like that. Plus, there was a thing where uh, I think her name was Medusa. I don't know her real name. She didn't lose her final match for whatever reason. And she goes to WCW and brings the belt and throws it in the trash. 
So ever since then, Vince made mm-hmm. it mandatory. You lose your final match. That's mm-hmm. why they had that huge controversy with Bret Hart. He didn't want to lose his last match at Calgary. Ah. And the whole thing happened. Yes. So, well, this isn't a WWE event. So maybe true. we'll, we'll see. Maybe, but I would, like, yeah. I would like to see it. And you know what? I say good for him that he should get into shape in the best shape that he can. A 73-year-old man going out there, giving a performance in front of all his fans. I say yay. Yeah, um, me, let's put it this way. Music. Like final final thought there, uh, Dominic. Go. No one seems to have a problem if the Who or the or the Rolling Stones or John or uh, Paul McCartney go out and do another performance. So, so what? All right, El Man Danny Billy Joel is over seventy three. I, I I hope he goes into music with Migos after he retires. <laughs> Senior correspondent Charlie Saladino, take us home. I- I uh, I applaud him going out at 73. I just think he should change his name to Rick the Nature Senior Citizen. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been saying it for years. The Nature Geographic. Nature <laughs> Man. Nature Man. Yeah, nature, nature Man. man. The nature like, geriatric, I apologize. This is, uh, we got 30 seconds left. It's just like when um they changed the invisible girl to the invisible woman. Like, enough yeah. time already. Change it to man. Like, and he always says you want to be the man. So with that. Rick, let nature take its course. <laughs> with that, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back. Game for the radio. Woo! Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio, the sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Burden Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today we're going to talk about another spider, another Tom Holland movie, yes. Uncharted. <laughs> That's right, yes. Although Uncharted with Tom Holland seemed like he was Spider-Man in this movie. Yeah, he, he was, I mean, he played the same type of guy, I guess, in a way. But all the stunts were like he was flying all over the place. He was like jumping from a boat in the air, the airplane in the air. He was like <laughs> on this thing and that thing. And he was just constantly, oh, right. And he jumped from a chandelier or something. Yeah. You know, and survived. <laughs> right. Like, what was this movie even about? Do you remember? Uh, it was mostly about just trying to find a hidden gold. Right. He was trying to find a hidden treasure mm-hmm. that his brother had left behind. It's apparently based on a video game called Uncharted. Hmm. Yeah. So, and then you had Marky Mark, who is what I like to call him. Even oh, though. that one. Yeah. You know, what do you mean that one? I forgot what is, I thought, th- wait, is that actually his name? Mark Wahlberg is his oh. name. <laughs> it's not Marky Mark. His brother was part of the New Kids on the Block, which is a music boy band that's now like a middle-aged boy band or a middle-aged man band. It's now a middle-aged <laughs> man band. Yes, exactly. Um, but, you know, the movie had... Who, was it, who else was in that movie? It was some girl in it. I don't remember. Uh, I don't... I forgot what yeah, she was. Yeah, that's okay. It's not a big deal. It was basically like, you know, anyway, she wasn't really very good in it anyway, so that's just a good thing not to talk about, I guess. <laughs> Did you like the movie? It was good. It was good. Um, 
It wasn't my favorite of movies, but it's one that you'd see in the movie theater for fun. Right. It was like an action yeah. film. We actually saw it in a movie theater, which we yeah. normally you know, haven't gone to theater. Yeah, we that. haven't done that in a while. Yeah, exactly. I guess we did the Spider-Man, but that was a while ago. That was a, yeah, that was a long time comparatively. Yeah. And Uncharted was kind of like, oh, let's just go see it. It'll be yeah. a fun action movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, and uh, it wasn't bad. I mean... Oh, Antonio Banderas was in that movie. Do you remember Which him? One's that? He, he's the bad guy, Des- Desperado. Did you ever see Desperado? He was with the gun guy. I don't guys. think so. Okay, so but he who else what else was he in that you would know, Antonio Banderas? Probably not much, I guess. But you know what? If you saw him you'd probably be like, Oh my gosh, I know that guy. <laughs> I don't know him by name, but that's me with a lot of actors and actresses, so But again, this is a Tom Holland film. Mm-hmm. Right? And there was a lot of action that went on with it. Would you say it's up there um, as a good movie? Would you say it's Red Notice not so good? Would you say it's like... I'd say it's Red Notice because it's just sort of like the typical... Action. Yeah. Right. Not like the typical action, but like the typical story of, oh, we got to find the treasure and blah, 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 blah. It's just... It was kind I of... like more of a mystery. Yeah. This was kind of like a... It's like an Indiana Jones with... Just... Um, the Red Notice kind of yeah. thing with uh, uh, what else? It's just a mix of. It just seems like the same type of action film for me because there's so many I feel like that have a certain this type of storyline. Right, they all that kind it's of sort of. Yeah, it's find the. It's like treasure. oh, we got to find the treasure, or like we have to stop this person from finding the treasure. Or... <laughs> right, there's always a treasure <laughs> hunt somewhere, the national treasure. Right, which yeah. National Treasure was actually better. But that was good. That yeah. one was good. That's one of my favorite out of the these types of films. Yeah, this one wasn't so great uh, per se, but but it it's was... a fun family movie, I guess. Yeah, it was a fun family movie. I mean, I feel like a lot of these movies have now become Disneyfied, where it's kind of like there's no real Disneyfied. <laughs> yeah, they haven't really gotten killed, and there's no one who really dies in these things, and it's kind of like, it's like they bring back characters all the time, and yeah, you know. Um, I feel like it, sometimes it's good for characters to to, to eh. go and to <laughs> laugh. Is that, is that <laughs> that's a good way to put it, right? Um, that's so funny. Yeah, no, I thought it was a pretty decent movie. I would hope, uh, you know, it's definitely like watch on video or whatever. Oh, yeah. you know, No, that's a, a watch on uh TV in a movie theater. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> this is a movie and theater. And that's Bowie talking in the background. Yeah. Once again. <laughs> All right. The dog is there. Yep. Um, hard to ignore. All right. <laughs> stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. See ya. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. This is Bookworm Batson on It Came from the Radio. Today's book is Chasing the Darkness, a novel by Cassie Sanchez, published by Ingram Publisher Services. This 
novel begins with the death of a ruler and the appointment of a new one. Very quickly, we learn that there are naturals and spectrals. The spectrals have magic, naturals don't. So what happens whenever there's a power shift? Someone comes up with the bright idea of how do we keep the balance of power in the naturals' hands? And, it, and someone else says, I have a great idea. Let's form a group specialized to fight the spectrals. We can call them hunters. Great idea. Love it. And so the story begins. We're introduced to the main character, Azriel, which means the angel of death. And he's actually called that by the spectrals. He's this 25-year-old, battle-hardened, revenge-driven guy. And when we first encounter him, he's been given this experimental drug that gives him spectral magic, so to speak, or spectral power. He soon gets to learn that this gift comes with certain side effects. And those side effects affect his consciousness or his conscience, let's say. This leads to problems and ultimately an epic adventure. This story was fascinating. It, it was easy to read. It was quick paced. The characters, you could get into them. You understood where they were coming from. It hit all the feelies. We have a group of people learning to fight together and get along with each other. We have this hero who's acclimating to his new powers and, and, you know, different viewpoints from what he ordinarily has. We have the enemies to friends. We have the enemy to loved one. We have these epic battle between good and evil. It has a shadow hunter vibe without being shadow hunters, you know? I like this book. It gets a 4.5 magic abracadabra. So here we go. Abracadabra. 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 Abraca... That was a half. Um, I would recommend that you quick click and get this book. And for my Gen X's or you people born in the early 1900s, <laughs> the entire 1900s, that means run, don't walk, go buy this book. I loved it. If you want your book to be reviewed, send it to Bookworm Batson, care of It Came From The Radio, Post Office Box 134, Rosedale, New York, 11422. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step -step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. Hi, Radioheads. You know this is El Man, and I'm with Scott Christian Salva, writer, producer, and animator. Hey, thank welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. So first question, he's an artist. He just made a film. We'll talk, to that, talk about that in a second. Animal Crackers on Netflix. What are the benefits that doing art gives you? 
I I had an epiphany last summer because making movies is really hard. Uh, yeah. The making of the movie isn't hard. It's getting the funding and the distribution of the movie. And so you spend a lot of time just waiting for a studio to give you the green light or an investor to give you the investment. You spend a lot of time waiting. Mm-hmm. And I just thought about it. I was like, what can I do where I don't need people? I'm not waiting for somebody else to do something for me. Mm-hmm. And it was, I can make art. And in making art, I can make people happy. I can give away art. I could, um, I, I could, I could teach about art. I can get other people to make art. And so for me, at least this last year has been all about just using art to hopefully make the world a better place by, by just encouraging people because the world, could, the world could use more artists. The world could use more art. And so that's kind of where I'm going with it. I see you give away art. What type of art would you like to receive? <laughs> I, I have a lot of people sending me portraits of me, which is really cute. Ah, cool. um, I, I, it's really, really, I have these, you know, some like really wonderful oil paints and then just stuff that four or five year olds make. And uh, it, it just makes you feel so good. So I've, I've got a whole drawer full of them, which is really, really wonderful. And for if you're listening on the radio, he has facial hair. And I saw a video of you teaching how to draw <laughs> hair, which is really difficult. I got stuck on eyelashes when in on a painting in high school. I don't even know if I ever finished it. But um, yeah, so if you're listening and you want to learn how to draw hair, he has lots of how-to videos on his YouTube. Very helpful. And um, I guess I'll, I'm going to skip I around. I love hair. <laughs> hair yeah. is a tough thing to to, to draw so skipping around uh graphic art computerized art is taken over uh one of the last artists i interviewed you know she really does a lot more graphic art now and she makes a lot of money because it's faster and she didn't want to do it at first yeah. but she fell into it and uh how do you feel about graphic art and do you think that painting and drawing will eventually become extinct well no i mean uh digital art right digital people are painting and drawing digitally they have a pen they're doing it um i think it's just another tool and mm-hmm. and i think it's wonderful uh i i think uh i think there's too many um police there's too many art police there's too many people <laughs> saying this is art this isn't yeah. art this is it's art you know if you want to take take a banana and tape it to a wall and call it art god right. bless you that's art <laughs> It, it, it's it's okay. So I, I think um, digital, traditional, sculpture, banana. It's all mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful. I, I, I'm envious of artists who can do that. I, I did digital for a little bit. I just miss the tactile feel. I miss having paint on my hands, you know? Mm-hmm. I miss having an original painting. And, and there's there's no undo button. So everything is you're, you're kind of just winging it. You're flying at the seat of your pants when right. you're doing it. And so I think there's, there's something wonderful about that. And I, and I love traditional. Yeah. The undo button with painting drawing. I like that you can re- erase it. And speaking of police, there's a lot yeah. of police in the stand up comedy uh, department. Um, oh, I like to do voices. I like to sing and dance. And I guess I'd even call myself a showgirl more than a stand up because I don't really care about standing there. So a lot of people have tried to uh, correct me and, and say that, you know, not to do voices and not to sing or dance, but I think you should just give people a show. So in every community, there's yeah. police of uh, what to do and what not to do. So we're going to talk about. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that, 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, the thing is, is that there's no rules. Like, is there a set list of rules for stand-up comedy? Is there a set list of rules like you do's and don'ts? No, there's not. According it's, to some, there are. are you giving me that? According to some, yeah, there but, are. But there yeah. aren't established rules. But, right. but those are those are ones that people people come up with and they follow those rules. But they're not. It's not. It's not like we're 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 playing hockey and there's a fish. You know, like we all agree yeah. to the rules at the beginning. You know, it's it. This is all art. It's all art, whether it's acting or music or stand-up or art. It's just all art, and there are no rules in art. I like that. I, I, I adhere to that. So you made a feature film called Animal Crackers, now on Netflix, uh, the summer of 2021's number one animated movie in the world, featuring Danny DeVito, Emily Blunt, Sylvester Stallone, Gilbert Godfrey. So in honor of Gilbert Godfrey, I was just curious if you had any highlights of working with the guy. Yeah, um, he was him. very, yeah, he was very quiet. Mm. I was very surprised. So, uh, like, Harvey Harvey uh, Firestein is is just like you would expect Harvey Firestein to be. He's loud, he's funny, he's, you know, Danny DeVito was pretty much spot on, John and Emily, Ian McKellen, Sylvester Stallone. Gilbert was just very quiet. He was very hmm. soft-spoken. He was just and, – and so that really threw me back because he just wasn't in character until he got into the booth, and then he does his voice, and he does that kind of thing. Yeah. So that was really, really interesting. He was a, um old movie monster buff, and he was an art buff. So I actually did a couple paintings for him, uh, the Frankenstein's Monster and the Bride of Frankenstein. I gave it to him, and uh, he was just – he was a family. He loved his wife and kids, and – he, he, um, it was just very not what I expected. And I mm -hmm. liked that about him. It was because he, he, in person felt more like how I feel, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a very introverted, mm -hmm. very, you know, quiet person. And so I just felt a little bit more, uh, closer to him because of that. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I mean, to me, that's what I'd expect because the more performing I do, the more singing, the more when I'm by myself, I don't even want to talk. I want to rest my vocal cords at yeah. all. You can't even get me on the phone. So speaking of wives, uh, you produce with your wife. I record a comedy podcast with my boyfriend. Uh, what are the pro pros and cons, as honestly as you can without uh, upsetting anyone, of working with your wife? Pros and cons. We've been married for 29 years. So I don't think there's anything I could do to make her get rid of me at this point. Mm -hmm. But um, – I, you know, she, she's believed in me because I'm, I'm the, the crazy, I want to do this now and I want to do this now. You know, like I did video games for a while and I did comic books and I've mm -hmm. written books and I've, you know, done art and I've, now I'm going to make a movie and she's the one who believes in me. And, um, and so she went when we were, I mean, we were on food stamps and, oh, wow. and we were, you know, we were really... And we had an offer from Harvey Weinstein to take the movie, and it was a really bad offer. And she's like, don't do it. He's going he's gonna to take everything. We get nothing. What's, why are we doing it? Right. And so it was like, well, then the only other option is to go and try to make the movie ourselves. And so she's like, okay. And the kids were maybe seven, seven or eight. We have twins. And she just said, she says, I'll go back to work. And so she went, she, she worked on the dock at Target at five in the morning. Wow. She, she did odd jobs. She, she took a temp job. She was a secretary. She did whatever she needed to do to keep us going for three years while 
I took care of the kids. I took them to school and I found a way to raise the money to make the movie. Wow. So when we finally got the money to make the, to make the movie, she quit and she ran the entire thing. She balanced the budget. She booked all the, the, the contracts with all of the actors. She did it. We'd never done any of it before, mm -hmm. but it was just like, it's just the two of us. And that's how we like it. We like it. Um, just the two of us. I trust her. She trusts me. Um, and we just, she's more of a, um, nickels and dimes, you know, accounting, you know, that kind of person. She's very practical and I'm out there, you know, I'm right. just out there saying we can do this, we can do that. We can do, you know, and, and so she balance, we balance each other out, which is, it, it might not work if you were, if you were the same, I mean, to yeah. if you brought the same thing on the team, the team might be incomplete. So it's probably a great thing yeah, that exactly. you guys are so different. Same, yeah, same yeah. here. Very, very. Yeah. I'm very. I look at. I'm a risk assessment analysis. I'm looking at everything that could go wrong. And then uh, my boyfriend, uh, he's like, "Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's let's jump off a cliff." It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so back to <laughs> well, look over there first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm afraid of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I need someone to push me. So uh, it, it's a daunting task to get a film on Netflix, at least for me, but everything's daunting to me. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> how's the process? What are some things that you learned about uh, just while getting your film on Netflix? Animal Crackers, by the way. Well, <laughs> Thanks. Making the movie was everything I had hoped it would be from getting to meet the cast um, like Every, all of the actors were wonderful. Uh, the musicians were great. You know, I got to meet Huey Lewis and Michael Buble and, and Howard Jones and Toto Wet Sprocket. And um, everything was cool. I got to travel to London and Spain and New York and Los Angeles. And um, it was the Hollywood part of it that was the worst part of it. It was mm -hmm. um, just dealing with that. And, and, and the way I like in Hollywood studios and producers and agents are they're they're the gatekeepers of for all of us talent mm -hmm. and they don't know anything they have no talent they have no taste for talent they don't know anything but they're the gatekeepers right. and i liken them to a rich person at an art gallery and they're like i don't know what good art is but everybody's buying this art so right. i'm gonna buy that art and that's how Hollywood is. They never want to be the first. They always want to be second. And so mm -hmm. they just go, hey, everybody's buying tornado movies. Okay, let's make a tornado movie. Hey, everybody's hiring this actor. Okay, let's hire this actor. Hey, every oh. and that's what they do. They, mm -hmm. they follow trends. They don't create trends. And so mm -hmm. as creators, as artists, we don't want to follow trends. We're always saying, okay, everybody's doing this. I'm going to try this. Mm-hmm. They hate that. And so there's just hmm. this. And that's why we had to make the movie ourselves is because Hollywood would have never made a movie about animal crackers unless, you know, someone else had already done a movie about Oreo cookies or something like that. You know, it's like, oh, hey, we're doing this now. And then they would go and do that. And who wants to do that? Who wants to be second? I don't. So maybe we'll see some movies coming out about Noah Wafers uh, coming up, yeah. you know, copying you. Maybe you've opened yeah, exactly. the door for other people who want to make cookie and cracker movies, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess this will be my last one. We're running out of time. So 
focus and productivity tips, uh, any activities that you've eliminated from your weekly or monthly calendar to prioritize your art as a creator. You can't do, you really can't do everything. There's 24 hours in a day. So there's some things you have to neglect. Yeah. Uh, so what are the yeah, things you I, had to I, neglect? Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I don't go out much, but that's just mostly just my personal thing. Um, I, I'm just not a go out and go to dinner, go to lunch. Uh, and the pandemic definitely mm-hmm. helped. You know, I, I, I think I've done probably 1500 paintings in the last two years because, because I was, had no obligations to go spend time with people. But I know that's not everybody. But um, the one thing else that I did was I learned to speed up my art. I gave myself a time limit. Mm. I gave myself an hour to do a painting. And, and, you know, obviously the first hundred weren't that great, but then I started to create shortcuts. So that way I could kind of cut out the trim the fat and I can create a work of art live with 10,000 people watching me in an Mm -hmm. hour, hour and a half. And I'm happy with it now. And so now I I'm producing more art and it's only impacting me by an hour, hour and a half a day. And so I think that was it for me was to just give myself a time limit and keep working on that time limit till I find what are the things I don't need and just kind of cut those things out. And that, that's right. really helped me with my art. Yeah, I can relate. So if you want to make a movie with Sylvester Stallone and Danny DeVito, maybe you should stop going to dinner like I did. I don't go to breakfast, dinner, lunch, coffee, tea, <laughs> go out for drinks, go out for drinks, hang out. What, what is hanging out? What? So on that note, yeah. uh, he does draw live. I think it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So can you tell our audience where to see yeah. you drawing live and where to find you? Thanks. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Um, just look up Scott Christian Sava and you'll find me. And um, yeah, I go live Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, 9 a.m. Central Time, me and my wife. Uh, and uh, I, we, you know, I'm posting two, you know, at least two times a day, one or two times a day, uh, new art tips and whatever makes me happy. I think that's what I like about having your own channel is I feel like drawing Stranger Things today, you know, mm-hmm. or I feel like painting David Bowie or whatever. I, like, I get to control um, the channel, and I and I love that. So, it, it, it for the most part, it's it's art tips, but sometimes it's just wacky stuff. You know, I'll I'll paint space space balls or something. And a final thought: anything you'd like the world to know, anything that's on your mind, <laughs> any message you'd like to share <laughs> as a final thought. Um, final thought is um, you can't control everything which I learned, you can't control <laughs> everything. You, you can't control that. But what you can control is you can be kind to people. And um, that's something that you can control. You don't need people to give you money for you. You don't need a job for that. You can always be kind to people. So try to do that. Yeah, yeah that's true. And it, it, it pays back and you sleep a lot better knowing that you've made someone's life a lot better or done nothing bad to someone. <laughs> you sleep a yeah. lot better. Sleep's exactly. important. Sleep is exactly. the foundation of health. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, signing off. This has been El Man. And now back to more. It came from the radio. Hey, guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8000.
Hey guys, this is Kari Payton. You're listening to It Came From The Radio. So keep listening. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio. The Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show... Tough. Go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.